All people are when you manifestations obey God's word of that was built by slaves. Reality. And I watch my daughters. There is nobody that respects women more than I do. This. Hey everybody, welcome to the Loving This podcast. My name is Michael Gunger. Today we're going to talk about non-duality, which I guess is what we're always talking about on this show. What we're always trying to talk about anyway, because non-duality is not something that you can actually talk about. That's sort of the whole point. As the Tao says, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. Still, we're going to try to talk about it <laughs> anyway, <laughs> as we always do on this show. And, you know, I use the word non-duality a lot, but I want to get into why that's a term. Why have so many mystics through so many traditions tried to speak of the eternal Tao, even though it cannot be spoken of directly? And what do we mean by the word non-dual? So let's jump in. The word non-dual is pretty simple. It just means not two. And on the surface, maybe that doesn't sound very interesting. Like, the world is not two. Uh, for most of us, doesn't like really rev up our engines. <laughs> but that's because most of us live in a world that is two in our imagination without realizing it. You see, most of us feel like there's the world, that reality out there, with all of the trees, and the houses, and the other people, the stars in the sky. And then, there's me. And I am, yeah, maybe I'm connected to the world in some way. People generally know that, but they have the feeling that the inside of the skin is somehow actually separate from the outside of the skin, so that we meaningfully can speak of a me in here and a you out there, or an it out there, or a them out there. However it is, it's divided into two. There's the observer, me, and the observed, all the rest of it. And that point of view feels so natural to us, and it's so universal and it undergirds all of our language and systems and all of the biosocial bands of information and story and meta narrative that give us a sense of meaning that allow us to operate in the world that allow us to build societies and do all of the things that we do duality is so prominent and so universal that most of us do not even recognize it. We don't question the water that we're swimming in. We don't even have a concept of water as these fish in the ocean, to borrow from that often used David Foster Wallace quote. But there have always been these people on the margins of society, mystics, sages, yogis, sadhus, gurus, saviors, and even scientists that have spoken about reality in a different sort of way, a way that wasn't disjointed, it wasn't built 
on a separate observer and observed, a self and an other, a God and his creation. However, it gets divided up into ultimate reality, into yin and yang. There's been those of us who have experienced it, not as a separate two, but as this, as one. But then, of course, as soon as you say that, as soon as you say this, as opposed to that, you've sort of made a duality again, haven't you? Even as soon as you say one, that means it's not two or not zero. It's kind of, you can think of an opposite of one in a way. And even saying non-dual, you can think of the opposite of dual. And this is why the true Tao, the true thisness, thusness, suchness, the one thing that's going on, you can't talk about it directly in a way that's accurate because that word that you're using is part of what you're trying to describe. You can't think a thought that's not part of the one thing going on. And so to try to think that that thought actually accurately points to the entire thing, it would have to point to itself as well, which is circular. It's recursive. It's just, it doesn't work. It breaks down really fast. You say it's one, but for you to say that it's one brings it into two because now there's the thought that it is one and the reality that it is one. And you see, it's like a reflection of a reflection of a reflection of a reflection. It just back at itself. And that's why non-dual is preferable in a lot of traditions to saying just oneness because at least it kind of cuts off. It makes an attempt at cutting off that cycle of recursion by saying it's not two and not one and not zero. It's not anything that you could say because it also includes the saying. And that's trippy and it's esoteric and especially for most of us who live in a constant unquestioned duality of an observer and an observed being separate things. Talking about non-duality is just not something most people care to try to do. <laughs> it's, it's like really getting into the business plan of a unicorn nail salon or something. You know, like really planning it out. And they're like, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Unicorns aren't real. <laughs> and in a way, that's more accurate because non-duality is not real in the way that you would try to think about it, in the way that you would try to speak about it. It's already off. But the thing is, language can be useful. It can be like the Zen tradition talks about a finger pointing at the moon. And that's the best that it can be. So sometimes language can help a human to let go of language, strangely. It's like using itself to undo itself. So we can speak with analogy and metaphor. We can speak 
in ways that move a human body to certain practices, to letting go, to unclenching muscles, to sitting in stillness. And then maybe it happens. That experience, that the moon that all these fingers have been trying to point to, that dissolution between self and other, between my will and thy will, between creation and creator, it dissolves. And if that's frustrating for you to hear because you don't quite get it, that's okay. In fact, if you get it, maybe you should be slightly concerned because it's not something you can get. (laughs) This is not an idea. And this is what gets me in trouble sometimes because I talk about it with words, which makes it an idea. And because I'm quite confident in my lack of ability to know anything for sure. That's like the one thing I'm really confident in, that I know nothing. And that confidence actually can sound like you're an asshole. It's the waffling that makes people feel like is humility a lot of times. Like, I think this is true, but I can't be sure. That sounds humble. But if you just know that as soon as you measure something in the universe, your measuring is part of it. That's the uncertainty principle. The observer cannot be separated from the observed. So the observer doesn't ever get to have a clean view, an objective view of reality. And 100% letting go to that, it really takes a lot of the angst out of doubt. (laughs) It takes a lot of the waffling out. It says, oh, well, all I can see is what my eyeballs show me through the stories that my brain is telling that they that my brain received from its environment from its culture and in that that doesn't mean you don't question those assumptions it doesn't mean you don't read and think and do all the things that you can do to try to make your thoughts um less harmful for people and for yourself but you don't have to believe any of these thoughts or words as though they are true, as though they are objective realities in the universe that are separate from anything else. If it's all just the one ocean, like the mystics have said, like modern science shows us, how none of it can be split apart, from any of the rest of it, not fundamentally, then any of our naming of the individual waves is completely subjective. Any assumptions about what this wave or that wave is and how it should be measured and how it should be valued 
it's all only coming from within the ocean itself. There is no outside observer. So it's only a subjective story that is possible. To say that this is the way things are, or that is the way things are, is part of the way things are. It's not two. Not an objective observer who can say that this is the way things are without being a product or a wave within that ocean. Non-duality is the experience of what is without constricting into two, without assuming that your body's felt separateness is real. It's a harmonization of everything. In duality, the space between our bodies separates us. In non-duality, that space joins us. In duality, God is someone to appease or please or believe in or not believe in. In non-duality, there is no separate self to do the believing. There is just the one creative movement that is everything. And even when you say the one movement, again, you're in words and you can start spotting this because this is why you can't believe any of it. Because if you say, well, what I believe in is that it's all one movement. Well, that would exclude non-movement, wouldn't it? Wouldn't saying everything is one movement exclude that which is not and that which does not move? (laughs) And what we're talking about non-duality is before any of those judgments or subjective values or stories start dividing the universe up. So maybe a practical exercise really quick for non-duality. Take a look at your hand. Just look at it. How many are you looking at? Well, you might say, how many what? Well, exactly. What what are you looking at? How, How many? You could think, well, I'm looking at five fingers. Okay. Or you could think I'm looking at one hand. Okay. You could theoretically split your hand and your mind into two. Maybe the bottom half and the top half. Or the right half and the left half. Or you could split your hand into quadrants. Or you could think of your hand as the fingers plus the knuckles plus the wrist plus the palm plus the back of the hand plus the... Like you could start counting up things that you have names for. But then where do you stop? What, what count as things? What about those lines in your fingers? Do the lines count as one thing? Or what about the, the lines on your pointer finger being one thing and the lines on your middle finger being another? Or each line? Or each line could be cut into a thousand 
right? Like in your mind, you could divide those lines up into a thousand things. And it depends how deep you can go into your site. You could take a, a microscope and turn your hand into a million things, literally a million things. But then all of that, what about the space around your hand? When you're looking, you're looking out at your field of vision. There's the space in between your fingers. There's the rest of the room or of the environment that you're in that is surrounding the hand that maybe you're not even paying attention to. You look out and you say, how many is this? Well, to say how many, you have to tell a story. How many what? And how do you define the what? Who defines how many things the universe is? Somebody else could look at your, that exact field of vision that you're looking at your hand in right now. And you say, how many? How many things we got here? <laughs> and just with that same field of vision, it could be no things or it could be a trillion things. It's only based on the stories that the observer is telling, that it could answer such a question. The non-dual view, as you look at that hand, is not to see any things or no things. It's not to count or to not count. It's just the looking itself. It's the awareness itself before it starts counting, before it starts assuming that that's my hand and that the space around it is the not my hand. That's the non-dual view. It is just viewing itself. And so what's the big deal? Somebody may say that's what we're all experiencing. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it's true. There doesn't get to be, and that's what the whole, like, there doesn't get to be enlightened egos thing is all about. Because you are not experiencing anything more or less than awareness. Nor is anyone else. There's no higher awareness, better awareness, sexier oneness it's just this and if you enjoy telling the stories and if you enjoy being like no there really is 12 things in my view here and one person doing the looking that's fine just know that that segmentation comes with suffering and that's fine Suffering is something that we oneness are quite into, apparently. We're doing a hell of a lot of it. But that separation between yin and yang is what begins the suffering. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the birth of no into the universe. Right? Because... If you don't break it into two, why would you say no? 
Who is there to say no to? And what is there to say no to? It's just what's happening. But as soon as there's a somebody who wants the world to be a certain way, other than what it is, well, now they're suffering. So non-dual philosophy, it's funny to even talk about it as philosophy, because it's, it's not a positive statement about things. It's not an argument about reality, which is why you can't ever find a good critique of a solid non-dual philosophy, a, a, a really beautifully stated non-dual philosophy will inside of itself tear itself apart. So you can't critique it because what is there to critique? It's not making a claim. It's simply the invitation to be. To be in a way that isn't so constricted with thought and beliefs and clenching of muscles to make my body feel like it's separate from its environment. But it's an opening of heart and of hands and of eyes. A laying back and being like a ball floating on the river. Thy will be done. To the point where I see that there is no separate will to be had. So surrendered to the flow of the river that the flow of the river is seen to be all that there is. Because it is. Of course, hopefully you'll recognize by now that me saying, because it is, is a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> because then what's the opposite? And what's that leaving out? You see, that's the problem with language. As soon as you say one thing, you have to be cutting off the rest of reality in order to say it. That's why words can be understood. Because by saying one thing, we can point to one aspect of non-dual isness. But then what about the other aspects that get left out? So to speak it is to miss it. But to speak it is also the only way that we have to communicate to each other and to invite one another into the experience. And that's why I do this podcast. I have zero confidence in any, any of the ideas of this podcast. If I've said it, if I've put it into words, I've messed it up. But I hope behind the words and within the words, some of you can begin to feel the call to this moment, to this breath. And that when I say, breathe freely, beloved, for this is all there is, that it doesn't become an idea to believe in another way to constrict reality into two but instead is experienced as breath, as this. Namaste. Namaste.